It was a physically draining weekend, I think, all around. Mm-hmm. Did you guys get those beers at Old Crow? I said, "Dude, you're here." Uh, <laughs> I did not. Yeah, I did not. Did not. I did not make it to Old Crow. I was. Oh yeah. Did you make it? Make it to Old Crow. It's like seven p.m., dude. I, I only have about twelve good hours of drinking in me these days, and that's all. That's all. That's all I gave. I gave Chicago all, right. all I had. I know, I know you left it out of the field. I can't, I yeah. can't fault you too much on that. Yeah, uh, you're but shout out, that left. shout out to shout out to Dan Del Fico and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, um, because that's uh, the, our little our little Rutgers Rutgers Notre Dame parlay is what is what funded those. That's true. Thank you, Greg. That, back to back that weeks. Like, I mean, we can yeah. get into it, but like, we go around the country. Uh, yeah, I put some stuff up in the in the notes. I think we, it, it was an interesting. I think it was great to it was great to start off the day on day at like noon, uh, or or be the first slot and have the rest of the day to just kind of consume consume the rest of it rather than having to wait or be uh, be off schedule with a two thirty game. Yeah, what did you guys think of the eleven a.m. kick? Like, I, we all kind of had different experiences with it. Like, D, you at the game, rather than both watching. But mm-hmm. like, I think. I mean, I, I don't know. For me, like going into it, I was like just kind of annoying. But as a viewer from home, it's not that bad because you're just antsy anyways for it to start. Yeah. And then it, and then it gets going, and then you have the rest of the day. Yeah, it was like we woke up, blinked, and then had to go to the stadium. That's what it felt like. Just from you know, we 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 weren't going to get up at like six or anything like that to get like a good amount of tailgating and we kind of just like woke up, ate breakfast, had some few beverages and then it was time to go. Like we would have been late. So just getting down the soldier up from, you know, Lincoln Park isn't the easiest. So I don't know. I, I did agree. Like having the whole day in front of you after there weren't any games I like particularly cared about. There were some results that I was certainly surprised by, but having the whole day, you know, in front of you after I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. I'd say that it, it was, so this is the first time that uh, it was, it was just me and Maddie going, um, going to watch the game, and we watched it at a bar in in, in Boston, uh, and that was having the early kick was nice because we got like we sat down at the bar, got seats because um, we were like one of the first some of the first people into the bar, um, grabbed some food like mimosas and stuff, and it was that was like a actually pretty pleasant spot to watch the game from. Uh, plus, when when it did fill out, a lot of people in there happened to be rooting for Notre Dame, which was a nice change of pace. Not what I was not what I was expecting. Uh, but I liked it. I also had the luxury of I was with Maddie and her family on Friday night, so we didn't go out. So like I woke up pretty early on Saturday uh, and 
didn't have to like didn't have to hustle to the bar, made breakfast and all that fun stuff. So I, I kind of like the noon kick, but I would if I was in D shoes where I had been at, in Chicago and gone out on Friday night, I don't know how much I would have loved the uh, the noon yeah. kick. It's just it's just a quick turnaround and not a whole lot of sleep. Yep, yep, for sure. I mean, in terms of the other games, like I didn't really watch any of this, but what is going on in? the lesser death Valley as in Clemson, South Carolina. They're, so, they're not good. They're not good. Okay. And I, I thought I was kind of probably, we talked about it a little bit. Like one of our friends locks was Clemson. I was like, no, I don't know. Like, like I didn't like that. First of all, NC state, it, it should have gone to overtime. Should not have gone to overtime. NC state was trying to milk the clock and missed a field goal to win it in regulation. They should have won regulation, but that offense that they're trotting out there each week for a variety of different reasons is not good. Like not even yeah. top ten close to where they, and then they got some tough injuries. Like they're they're almost irrelevant for the rest of the the rest of the season. Maybe they win the oh. ACC. Yeah, yeah. this was a this was them put a, you just put a stake in, in Clemson's playoff chances. That's that's toast. Um, I I think a few years here. I think it, it's really interesting to see. Um, how things how things are different in in Clemson compared to how they are in South Bend, where the biggest similarities both offensive lines are struggling, uh, probably lacking a lot of confidence, uh, are fairly young, uh, and, and and are really having some trouble. But what you see with Tommy Reese and what the rest of the offense is able to do to kind of pick up the offensive line, um, and how they kind of game plan to help the offensive line compared to what's happening in Clemson, where it's, they just kind of let the floodgates open and, and they just struggle all over the place. Um, I, I think that's it's really reassuring to see. I don't think that makes Notre Dame uh, an absolute unequivocal contender. And, you know, I don't think this is like a national championship winning team, but it, it's really nice to see the Notre Dame, I think the Notre Dame offense coming together a lot better than what you're seeing in Clemson. And the second point is that, like, uh, this talks more outside of Clemson, but just more to the whole college football landscape. Like, Clap it up for us for going forget to make it to four zero. You survived the month of September four zero, which ha- is, there's definitely something to be said for, for that because there's a lot of there's a lot of teams who people thought were who thought were a lot better who did not make it through September four zero. So you got you got to you got to October four zero, and and there there's definitely something to be said for that no matter how you did it. Also out there, some like there's some fun stuff happening in the SEC when you look at Arkansas undefeated. Kentucky undefeated just sets up some good matchups. Game day is going to Athens for that Arkansas Georgia matchup, but Arkansas's quarterback goes down. And after he went down, I was watching that game. They did everything they could to blow it. They're up seventeen nothing. Had a fumble in the red zone, and then A and M clawed the way back into it. And it, Arkansas was almost a little lucky to come away with the win. I expect Georgia to absolutely roll them next week. So they're good, but they lost their quarterback, which is tough. And the backup, I don't know if he had a pass attempt. Like on his first like three series, like he was just running, um, so that offense definitely changes. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, that's still a fun story. I mean, I think they've won yeah. like one or two SEC games combined over the last like three years. And you want now they're four and zero. They're beating A and M. They're beating Texas. And I know that's probably a huge thing for Arkansas fans. You know, a lot of their players are from Texas, and they see it as a point of pride that they didn't get recruited by A and M or Texas. Going in and beating them is fun. Like, they have a cool atmosphere uh, whenever they play at home, and hopefully it'll be rocking for some big games this year. Uh, kind of staying in that same part of the country, Oklahoma, not good. 
Like oh. Spencer Rattler, trash. Mm-hmm. Not good. Do you hear they were chanting? They were chanting the backup's name. Spencer oh, really? Rattler threw an eye, threw an eye, yeah, threw an interception, and they started chanting for the backup. Which, yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily the correct answer. I think there's probably some other issues at hand, but Spencer Rattler certainly is not. Uh, He's not the quarterback that we were promised coming out of the QB1 series, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, though. Yeah, yeah I don't I don't like him. I have he seems like such a very, very low, very low patience for him. Not a nice dude. Um, no. But, again, they haven't lost. Like we said, they're still no. undefeated. They don't yeah. look good, and, I mean, who else in the Big 12 might give them a run? Maybe Texas and the Red River, but Oklahoma State doesn't look that good. Iowa State lost. Yeah, Iowa, Iowa State, State losing. Iowa Baylor. State, Iowa State bad. Let's go to that. Like Iowa yeah. State, um, squarely in the fraud, fraud category. Fraud alert! Fraud alert for sure. Um, I don't know. It's not like, like I don't really have anything against Iowa State, but like it's nice to see a pretender exposed like that a little bit. Yeah, I, Iowa also is a little bit of a pretender. Um, they showed that. I don't even remember who they were playing. But they they played Colorado that. State. They played yeah. Colorado State and struggled. They were losing at halftime. Um, pulled it together a little bit, but that kind of exposed them for a little bit of what they are. But then we go back to Rutgers. Talking about your Rutgers, good cover, Slav. Well done. Yeah, very confident about that. I think I think Rutgers' defense is actually for real. Uh, their their offense struggles, uh, but their defense is for real and gave Michigan all they could handle. Um, I don't think did Michigan not score in the second half. I think the final was twenty to thirteen, and it was Michigan twenty to three. Michigan just completely yeah. stopped. Yeah. I'm very skeptical on, on number on number fourteen with on number fourteen Michigan and we're gonna get to that at the end of the show here. But uh I'm pretty skeptical on, on what on what exists in Ann Arbor and I think it's gonna be put to the test in the in the month of October in a big way. Yep. I agree. Um just looking at other games, another team like Iowa State, ton of preseason hype. North Carolina, they got exposed. Like they got yeah. beat down. What is happening? Like, I cannot get a read on that team at all. What is I can't happening? get a read on anyone. <laughs> like, no, I, literally I still, nobody. Sam Howell is still good. Like, he's still good. But sometimes he's – I don't know. I don't even know what to expect from him. I have no idea what to expect from the North Carolina team in general. I think I think you're feeling the symptoms of losing a lot of a lot of skill position players. Um, mm-hmm. Some really good – some really good backs – um, Williams and I forget what the other kid's name was, but uh, and then also losing guys on the outside like Deami Brown. Like, is it possible that Sam Howell just doesn't have the same targets to throw to? Um, and also, like, here's a breakout year, and now all the film now, now the entire book's out on you. Um, and mm-hmm. you, if you fail to adapt, then you, you have results like you have uh, you had this weekend and against and against Virginia Tech when you play quality points, but I don't think. They lost to Georgia Tech. Like I don't think Georgia Tech's a very good team. No. I mean, I mean, they gave Clemson a run for their money, and they just beat North Carolina. But I still think Georgia Tech's really bad. Like, like I'm not concerned about that game on Notre Dame's schedule in November. Maybe I should. Well, I, 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 I forgot. Know, I forgot it was even on our schedule. Yeah, we. I, I, but I'm not. Maybe no, this will no. come back to bite me. But I'm not. I'm not worried about it. It's. It's not. It's not a concern. It, which is. Which is crazy because they just two two allegedly top. You know two teams that started the year in the top 10 solidly and just not existing like that anymore. Yeah. I think another thing with Carolina is you looked at their running game last year with Javante Williams, Michael Carter's like 
they had one of the probably top five to ten running games in the entire country, even with a somewhat weak offensive line. Now that those guys are gone, their offense is a lot more one-dimensional. Teams can focus in on Howell a lot more, and I think that's a huge reason for their struggles. Yeah, I, yeah, I, would, agree. We, I would definitely agree with that. Do we get? I mean, I guess Georgia Tech, but like again, we didn't get any help from the rest of our schedule. No, none, none. And again, it, it might not matter. Like, you know, win our games and we're fine. But our schedule that like we think is daunting is not. USC, USC got rolled by Oregon State. Ooh, yeah, and a new coach and all that, but they are in a bad spot when when you're when you're giving up 45 points to Oregon State. Did Did you're Slovis in a play? Horrible spot. I don't even know who played. If it was Dart or Slovis. It was a yeah, because I thought Dart. I think Dart's done for the season. Oh, let's see. I don't. They might not have been a top 25 game. I'm trying to check. Trying to check now. No, they they were not top oh, 25. No, they are not. I'll, I'll find so, it, but. I'm so curious this, whether or not he played. This, this is why the Cincy game is, I mean, almost everything. Because North Carolina yeah. and USC do not look like the dangerous foes that we thought they might be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had, what, four top 15 teams to start the year, and now that's down to one. And Cincinnati is good. They really haven't played anyone, but, you know. I think it'll be uh, it'll be hard to see them lose a lot more games, even after yeah. no matter what the result of the Notre Dame game is. Mm-hmm. Just just to take a step back, and I guess we're not stepping that far back because this is still schedule talk. But Slovis Slovis went for three hundred and fifty five yards and yeah. threw a touchdown. Um, obviously, probably needed to throw more touchdowns, but like he still went for three fifty, and they got they and, and Oregon State wiped the floor with them. That defense is that USC defense is in bad shape. But like you guys are saying, like if USC is going to look like that, North Carolina dropping a game that they definitely shouldn't have dropped otherwise. Uh, this one, this game coming up, I think the next, I think it's definitely the next two weeks that is kind of where we're going to make our money here. Uh, beat a very good, be, beat a very good Cincinnati team this week. Go to Blacksburg and and, and win a night game. Officially announced, seven thirty kick. Uh, win a night game in Blacksburg. Network. Network. Oh, don't on. worry. I, I, if, oh. if you don't, if you need a login, let me know. Uh, no, nah, I mean we'll we'll find it somewhere. But it's like just in just in general, I just feel bad. Like, yeah, it's it's not going to be good coverage. How is a night game on ACC Network? It's freaking TV, TV rights, man. Like, yeah, I, it, they should be on ABC. I think I think the ABC viewership would go through the roof, just like a night yeah. game in Blacksburg, and you get and you get the Notre Dame viewership. I, it doesn't make much sense to me, but I'm sure this is. Something It'll that goes over my head. Probably the highest rated game on ACC Network all time, no matter what probably. Virginia Tech's doing. Like, we'll just still draw. Um, Whatever. It can't uh, be as bad as Peacock. Honestly. Yeah. No. That's Peacock. A good point. Peacock was a fraud. Speaking of frauds, do we want to get into the – I don't know the acronym off the top of my head, but the Bishop Sycamore Fraud of the Week. Anyone want to yeah. go first? I'll go first. Um, the Sunday I found myself in, in Kohler, Wisconsin – to see uh, the U.S. absolutely route the Europeans. So my fraud of the week is European golf because they did not show up to the Ryder Cup this week. Um, and the U.S. set a record beating them. So that was fun to see. Um, and it wasn't like like, the European, like you still have some big names there, and they were all very in it. Like four out of the Europeans cried after it was over. Like out of like happiness and like just pulled, I don't know. But they, they, they cared about it. They just couldn't get it done. 
and this U.S. Ryder Cup team is going to be a wagon going forward. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think that this this Ryder Cup team loses much going forward. Uh, and it was like, I think there were some very big personalities and some a lot of questions going in into it as far as how this team would gel and and how how the golf would play would look this week. And they were nothing but impressive. Like it was so much, so much fun to watch. Um, it, and like you don't want to make it just about those two, but get like Bryson and Brooks together. I think this is like a huge turning point for. The way people view, yeah, for for them, how people view the relationship and Deshambo, especially like people. Yeah, I think he's still going to do his physics-based golf, but I think people are going to be much more willing to embrace him a little bit. I know, I I know, I am. I kind of turned a corner on him. Uh, this is usually in in USA sports is is when I kind of turn the corner on people. Uh, for the most yeah. part, I'm thinking I'm thinking mostly in hockey. I think I kind of advanced. Well, I saw I, I saw my a lot of uh, Arizioni jerseys. That was that's fantastic. That's at, fantastic. At the there was a lot of it. <laughs> I knew you'd like uh, that, Flash. The videos, the videos that came from Thursday morning, uh, Sweet Caroline on the tee box as the as the sun was coming up on Lake Michigan, and then the Star Spangled Banner, like that stuff's so so cool. I can't wait. It's going to be a bet. I think the next one on U.S. soil is at Beth Page, um, which yeah, is so. a ten ten minute ten minute ride up the road for me from home. So uh, I. I think we have something that works already, but I, I definitely would be there. D, what was your, uh, what was your fraud? Who's your fraud of the week? Oh uh, yeah, I kind of touched on it, but I'm gonna go with the AP poll voters, um, particularly preseason people and kind of just every college football writer in general for ranking Iowa State and North Carolina. The, there's some others that you could throw around, but primarily those two and like picking them to win their conferences, picking them to make the playoff, like. It was pretty apparent. I know, like, North Carolina, I could kind of understand that a little more because Mac Brown has recruited well. But they just – like, it was pretty apparent. Their defense was not good last year. Their offensive line was not good. They returned a lot of not good players. and The best players on their defense actually left. Um, and do you know what? Like, I think it was pretty apparent. This is – I'm proud of myself for thinking that at least Iowa State would be bad. But, you know – I just I like think it. that the poll, the pollsters were frauds, like for just even considering those two teams garbage. Um, yeah. All right, my fraud of the week. I think I think our overall show one has to be Graham Mertz. Uh, we're gonna yep. get to that. Yeah. Hey, we're gonna get we're gonna get to that in like thirty seconds. But my my individual fraud of the week uh, goes to Kayvon Pope uh, from <laughs> Ohio State. Uh, what an awesome <laughs> yeah. performance he put on this story. weekend. Tell the story. Uh, I think I think it doesn't really. I don't think what I'm about to say is going to do it justice. I think if if you need a good laugh, it's Monday. Uh, whenever you listen to this, if you need a good laugh during the day, take five minutes and, and just put his name into Twitter or go find the article on it, uh, CBS Sports or something like that. But basically, he decided he was going to quit uh, half, midway through the game, uh, gotten a huge screaming match with the coaches on the sideline and had to be escorted off the sideline, and then. During, in the middle of the game, I think people people found out that he quit because he uh, he tweeted uh, "Good luck to my good luck to my brothers," which I think he spelled wrong. He spelled luck wrong. He spelled L U C C, and then he uh, and then he followed that tweet. Uh, they say they say F Ohio State or something like that. I don't know. He yep, said yep. something something pretty out of pocket um, about about the Ohio State program, and that's how people figured figured out that he had quit the team. Um, now the story is that he'd been dismissed, but I think that was probably a mutual parting of ways. 
Um, pretty funny story. Definitely worth a watch. Worth, worth a laugh, especially because it happened during a during a game where Akron hung around a little longer than it should have against against Ohio State. I think Akron was winning the game at seven seven nothing at one point. So, um, yeah. All right. Um, imagine your potentially your football career ending at the hands of Akron. Yeah. Seriously, that'd that's be, that's tough. That's that'd tough. be tough. They ended up winning by like fifty too. Like I, what, I don't even know what he's mad about. I think he just got subbed out in some sort of package, and he really. Really, yeah, yeah, I think the whole their their whole Lost defensive it. situation there is 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 not is not good. That's for sure. Their linebackers are bad. Yeah, I hate to can say. Can we do like? Uh, can we do five, maybe ten, maybe fifteen minutes on Graham Mertz? Yeah, we could go on for a while <laughs> sure. about Graham Mertz. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be so, real fun. If if you guys don't mind, I'd like to get this kicked off because I have a, I have a really solid analogy. So. Notre Dame's defense, I think this was a huge weekend for Notre Dame's defense. Obviously, forced into five turnovers was great. But I think this was the weekend that Notre Dame's defense officially gets their swagger back. Um, Cam Hart gets two picks. And, and, Cam, and I, I want to talk more specifically about Cam Hart. But Cam Hart gets two picks. Bert, um, excuse me. Kaiser and, and Drew White both get picks looking like the slowest people on the planet. <laughs> both get pick sixes. Uh, and then we force the fumble that Foxy lands on. Um so really, really good stuff. All at the ham, hands of Graham Mertz. I what I equated this defensive performance to is, um, is like when the Yankees go down to Camden Yards, uh, when the Yankees are struggling and, and they're not swinging the bat well. All they usually need is like a trip down to Camden Yards to play the Baltimore Orioles, um, hit a few home runs around for three days, and then you got your swagger back. I think this is facing Graham Mertz is was was a very similar situation of the Yankees going down to Baltimore. And I, I say the Yankees, I'm a Yankees fan, but I think any 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 team anybody who roots for a team in the AL East uh knows that when the Red Sox, the Rays, uh, the Blue Jays and the Yankees head down to Camden Yards, it's a nice little reset button um to get things to get to get things figured out. Um and that's that's what Graham Mertz is to me Graham Mertz is the Baltimore Orioles for, for the for this Notre Dame defense. Yeah. So I think that's a perfect analogy. I have a similar one too, like Sometimes I'll, like, we talked about my basketball, like, team struggling last week, and, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't going well. So when that happens, sometimes I, I like to play my, my parents or, or my dad and my brother in some pool basketball, and I just absolutely destroy them in the paint, and that really makes me feel good. Uh, I come back even hotter. And I look at them, and they're kind of smiling. They're not mad. They kind of knew it was coming. And they're just like, all right, all right, well done. And that's what Graham Mertz did after every pick. He didn't even look pissed off. He was just like, no, nah, I'm bad. It's fine. You know, he didn't care. He didn't care at all. And I think he knows, like, I don't, I, I don't understand how you don't even look more dejected. He got absolutely embarrassed. Yeah, he did not look mad at all. It was, like, kind of shocking. Yeah. Like, he's just like, yeah, like, what are you going to do? Play the backup? Like, I think he was just happy the- to be off the field. Yeah, yeah good. I'll yeah. do that again. This is coming from a guy who, like, he was like the very first quarterback in the entire country to put out his own line of merch when all the NIL stuff dropped. And I mean, like, if he wants to make money, he should start selling merch about like how bad he sucks. Have you seen his stats against Power Five teams? He yeah, has got a touchdown. I do yeah. one against us, but yeah. Well, I, I think it's going back to it's ranked teams versus non-ranked teams. Against non-ranked teams, I think he has 11 touchdowns, zero picks. Against ranked teams, it's like two touchdowns and 14 picks. The game like, is just too too fast for him when he plays real competition. He has no idea yeah. what's going on. And to your, to your point about the NIL and him having a clothing line, if he wants to make money, he should put out a shirt in green 
and I'd buy it and wear it this weekend. Like, that would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, he thought he was playing with Tyreek Hill. They got open a couple times. They, they kind of got open, and oh. he missed so many deep balls. I felt really bad. The bar I was in had like a – so it was me and, me and Maddie sitting there, and then there's a few spot other like people who root for Notre Dame, and then there's one big, one big table – of Wisconsin kids. And there was like, there was nothing rude or anything happening going on, but like every, he missed, he missed at least four or five times. He missed guys that were wide open. And every time I looked over to the table and much like the same reaction I had, like when, when Cone gets sacked or when uh, Tosh Baker almost gets pine killed, but just like a head in the hands, like what, what, what are we doing? Uh, it's, it was a big, the big cat gif of like figure it out him sitting in, in, in Indy. Like that's, it has to be that it, because on top of the four interceptions, he had four or five overthrows that definitely should have been completed completions. The, both, the Cam Hart, both the Cam Hart interceptions, those are good plays by Cam Hart. Like they weren't good throws, mm-hmm. but they weren't terrible. Like mm-hmm. the, the Jack Kaiser one, like. Like that was like a that high school bad. high school quarterback high school quarterback. Yeah, I mean Drew Jack Kaiser should never ever have a pick six in his life. <laughs> no, but he did. I mean, he just looks like he's got no swag. Jack Kaiser does. He literally looks like an Indiana like farm boy out there. He's good. I think he's been pretty solid this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean the dude's got to get some drip. <laughs> or not, whatever you want. It was. I it, I listened to I listened to Inside the Garage thing, and the main the main reason I was like I think I think they do a pretty good job. That's more Kyle Hamilton and Cam Hart, uh, and was it Connor Radigan? Um, mm-hmm. I forget. Is KJ Wallace the last one on it? Yeah, yeah. So I think they do a pretty good job. I, I should like the podcast, but I wanted to listen specifically because uh, they didn't. You couldn't see it on TV. D. I don't, D, I don't know if you saw it from the stadium, but uh, Kyle Hamilton get got in a scuffle uh, with yeah. with a few of the. Wisconsin kids uh, on a punt and then on the on the pick sixes he was like chirping at their sideline which is fantastic I, I love that I think I love that when Kyle Hamilton is playing mean football and, and playing with some swag but he was saying today the one comment he made was like on Drew White's pick six he was like I was like Kyle Hamilton was like I almost tackled him because he was running too slow like it was just it was just the whole thing happened like it way too slow of motion for it to actually wind up being a pick six but I thought that was pretty funny well they quit they quit yeah, they quit. Oh, they quit. Oh, they, they quit. So, and that's I guess we can move on to that a little bit. Like forty-one thirteen, we were losing in the third. We were losing in the fourth quarter. Um, so I, I like it felt really good those forty-five minutes, but there's other stuff to discuss. Yeah, I will. I will say before we move on from all the positive on defense, I, I think there's a few. Let's, t- let's finish touching up on the positives because I'm in a good mood. Um, the Chris Tyree touchdown is what oh. I've been asking for since 2016. Didn't I say that in the beginning of the season? Like yeah. I'd love to see us get a special teams touchdown because we got a really dynamic player back there. And I think I think for those who kind of want to touch up their football knowledge, maybe and you guys should listen to Brian Kelly in the post game interview. He said he talked about what changed for them in the second half as far as what they were doing from the kick return standpoint. So you can either return it to uh, return it to your blockers or return it to the field, and basically their strategy the whole year has been either call a fair catch or if you have to return it, return it to your blockers. So that means you're following your blockers wherever they go to whatever side of the field you have the kick return set up for. And those those are not the returns that set up the big plays. Those are the ones that get you back to the 25 and the 30. Um, and you go on and get your offense back. But what Poulian decided to do at halftime is he said, we're going to start returning it to the field, which means that 
you send all your blockers one way and you kind of send the send the returner the other way and that opens up a lot more space it also leads to the possibility of you get a penalty a hold or a block in the back or something like that but when executed correctly and you have a guy like you have a guy who's game breaking speed like chris tyree uh it, it, it leads to some really really big plays and i was i i jumped out of my seat stood up on the bar like when it was happening the gus johnson call that i didn't hear till after was unbelievable uh, i want to make that my alarm clock uh, I mean, it was, was that was fantastic. So down, I was so down, so down, so down, and then out of nowhere, so high. And like our emotions, were, I think, were pretty justified because that is the definition of a game-breaking play. We don't, I don't, we don't, I don't know if we win the game if he doesn't break that. No, uh, and, I, and I think D, it's entirely different. D, D, I sent the, I, I know I sent it to you, Ian. I'm not sure if I sent it to you, Ian. Did I send you the stat about when the last time we had one was the last crib call can we I, had? Can I guess? Twenty. Yeah. To, I think to, I hold know. on. Let, 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 let guess. Let guess. Did um, who was the little short guy that went to SMU? CJ Sanders. CJ. Did CJ Sanders have one? CJ Sanders had one in 2016 against Army. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that was a Shamrock Series game in yep. uh, in San Antonio. Yeah. But yeah, that was. I was like, it, it felt it felt longer than that though. Um, and obviously, see that touchdown that CJ Sanders scored didn't matter as much as this one that Chris Tyree did. But it was uh, definitely exciting play. D, can you touch on what it was like in the stadium? Because if I'm not mistaken, it came right after jump around. Uh, see, this is the thing. After I decided to skip out on jump around and head to the bathroom to take a piss, ooh, I hear cheering. On the kickoff. Oh. And I don't know what the fuck happened. I'm in there with Brennan. I think Felton's like grabbing a beer or something. We all walk out. We're like, what the hell just happened? The guy's just like, oh, Tyree no. took it to the house. I mean, the stadium, that was the loudest. I heard it all day. But yeah, I was in the bath. This happens to me every, this has happened to me. Like, I've missed like every big play this year. I love it. Keep going. Keep going. I feel terrible. Keep but water. Water. Yeah, you, you might need to keep going to the bathroom, dude. We, we, we might need another one this week. Um, oh. Also, hey, um, Sorry to Wisconsin fans, but jump around is now a Notre Dame song. Yeah, we'll take that, it. That that one belongs to us now. We'll take it. A lot of a lot of Chicago belongs to us as well. Um, yeah, I didn't really realize, like as a Chicago native, I like never really anything against Wisconsin. Like I like Madison; it's a cool town. Didn't really realize how much I wanted to win that game until like a couple hours before kick, where I was like, "God, I kind of hate Wisconsin, and I, I need to win this game." Like they're because they think they're the best college football fans out there, and they're not. I don't think they are, but they think they are, and winning that was, was great. It also, I think, exposed – this game exposed a lot of the flaws in Wisconsin football. Like, they – once we were up by 11 – or 10 or 11, whatever it was, they were yeah, done. They're done. There's nothing they 20, can do. 24-13, they have no chance at, at coming back. Um, yeah, Something I, 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 needs to change in their program. I, I, th- I think you're right. And like their, their identif- identity is to still have a strong offensive line, which they did. I thought their offense, I didn't think their offensive line played that bad. I thought that once, once our D line was able to, it's not the offensive line's fault because we loaded the box. One of the, one of the schematic changes that we made right from the jump from the first play of the game was Freeman adapted his defense. So against Purdue, he, he had, he played a lot of six defensive backs yeah. Uh, against Wisconsin, he jumped into a 4-4, which meant having four D linemen and four linebackers in the field, basically loaded the box with eight uh, with eight, and said, you know, basically dared Graham Mertz to beat you, which was the right play because Graham Mertz can't do that. But 
um, it made it made the offensive line job very difficult for Wisconsin, and then obviously um, their their lack of their lack of explosive players on the outside, whether that be at receiver or at running back, is like very very evident. Um, you know, Notre Dame now has that, and that's like that's really good for us. But like you're the the wide receivers are very very unimpressive. Um, running back didn't do too much for me. Jake Ferguson was Jake Ferguson's really really good, but when he has one to catch, up, when he has to match up with Kyle Hamilton, he can't hold Kyle Hamilton's shock strap. So uh, they they struggled mightily. Um, and like like Ian said, like this definitely ex- exposed some flaws. Um, and you know what? I bet Camp Randall doesn't even shake during jump around. Like that's no. that's probably fraud. That's probably fraud. I'm gonna have to get that put that on a t-shirt. Put, put that Soldier on a t-shirt for not. this weekend. Soldier Field certainly was not shaking. It was shaking after Tyree's touchdown. But no. I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, talking about Freeman's game plan, it was the perfect game plan. It was sell out, stop the run, and make Graham Mertz try and beat you. And let's all see how that turned out. Five turnovers. And, you know, while we only had one sack, we did get a lot of pressure on him and forced him to make some quick throws probably before he wanted to. So I thought that was also important. I thought – Howard Cross and Jacob Lacey were great. They were Dudes, awesome. They were they awesome. Were, Jacob Lacey with the fourth and one stop. I mean, he's a third stringer coming in there. Uh, Howard Cross plugged it up pretty well. Uh, I always kind of thought he was a little too small, but he, I mean, he, he's physical. Wow. Like he was, he was doing well in there. So, a lot of good things from the defense. Cincy is a lot different, though. A lot different. So, like yeah. Freeman's got a. Changes on the fly again, adapt or die. So I think he can. He's shown that he can. Um, but we're going to need another performance like that. I, yeah, it, I think it looks so much better when you actually create turnovers. Definitely, I agree with that. Turning, turn, having turnovers like uh, like you could still play very, very good defense, a very, very good defensive game without um, without forcing turnovers. Like you can, you you know, don't give up a lot of yards, or whatever. When you turn it over, when you make when you're forcing turnovers optically, it just looks a lot better. And those forcing turnovers are momentum plays too. I like. I'm not. There are people who don't buy into momentum. I buy into momentum. Momentum. I think it's pretty important. Oh. Um, and I think those are those are like really, really important. Really, really important to to the flow of the game and and how your team is feeling overall. I'll also say like this week, I don't expect Marcus Freeman's defense to play a lot of four four. I'd expect it to game plan to look a lot similar to the defense he played against Purdue, uh, which is probably not as strong i think the strength of the defense would be playing a 4-4 but you gotta kind of gotta adapt or die here um and with the skill that they have on the outside and desmond Ritter being pretty being a very very good quarterback uh i think you'll see a little bit more of the of the of the six six five and six defensive backs uh with that said it was great to see the defensive backs this week have a great game like i thought all around the field i think early they were a little shaky but kyle hampton i thought played really played unbelievable Cam Hart is elevated to dude status in my mind. Maybe not everybody agrees with that, but I thought that he played a really, really solid game. Also, the PI that he got flagged for right before the interception uh, was, was bullshit. Garbage. He was making a play. He was making a play on the ball. I think that, that I was very upset with that one. Uh, I think Clarence Lewis still has some work to do. Um, yeah, I was pretty disappointed with Clarence guys. Lewis. That like but, he gave the touchdown. Did he get beat on back-to-back slants, or did Cam Hart get beat on the first slant? Uh, I, I remember him getting back. beat on like kind of a wheel route type play. Yeah, on the, on the touchdown, play. it was like a pick play, and he kind of anticipated the pick. Yeah, and it didn't actually end up getting picked. So like, if he just had like kind of gone, I don't know. I mean, Clarence Lewis needs some work, sure, but 
Props to Cam Hart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, go ahead, D. Sorry. Yeah. The thing with Cam Hart is that this dude's been playing DB since, like, maybe, did he switch last fall or last spring, like, of 2020? This guy has not been playing the position for that long. He's long as hell. He's 6'3, long arms. I mean, you can just tell when he was returning that the second pick he had, like, he has long strides running down the field. He's just going to keep getting better and better the more game reps he gets. I think, you know, I guess when you move positions, you have to be tentative at times. I think we saw him kind of get away from being tentative and just playing off his instincts. He can be really good. You see him jump two routes. If you have a corner on the outside that's 6'3", long as hell, and can run like that, like his potential, like his ceiling's through the roof. He's that a sophomore. did not make he's sense. A sophomore. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's he's going to be there for hopefully a while i'm excited about cam hard i think it's great when you have i think we've had we've had like a single dude in the defense on defensive back um since yeah i, I guess not, i shouldn't say for a while i guess it was it was like it was great when you had uh jalen elliott and Alohu gilman back there playing safety um and that mm-hmm. kind of helped i think it's, it was good if you, if you talk about the four the four defensive back positions but it's good to have a second solidified dude back there now too with cam hart and uh and kyle hamilton I think obviously the places still need some work, but uh, I, I was pretty excited about that group. But tough walk for Tariq Bracey. I thought that was kind of a bad call. Yeah, uh, the dude jumps. He, he, I don't know. It's a tough call. He's not seeing a lot of tick, uh, but makes contributes when he's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, how about the wide receivers this week? I thought it was that was pretty good. Uh, I thought they they had a pretty solid game. Welcome back, Kevin Austin. Uh, really good response yeah. from uh, from a tough week against Purdue, uh, and I, I said this early. It happened on the first drive. I think things kind of changed throughout the rest of the game. But the first drive that, uh, that Notre Dame kind of went down the field, uh, it was not. I think the first drive they went three and out, right? Uh, yep. It was kind of kind of yeah. gross. And then they got the ball back, and then they they kind of drove Threw down the field. Dorm ten times. Yeah, Dorm missed the field goal on that drive, but on that drive, I think all that was the that was the drive that all four receivers got a touch. I think it's Avery yeah. Davis on first down, Wilkins on the wheel route down the sideline. Um, try, uh, who else? Austin. Did Austin Lindsay have out. one? And Lindsay had one. Yeah, uh, Lindsay, maybe Lindsay had one a little later in the game. Yeah. But it was nice to see them kind of spreading the rock around. Mayer also had a catch on that drive. So that was that was pretty encouraging to see everybody get a touch. Um, I think just honestly from like a mental standpoint, getting, getting the hands on the football uh, is a good thing. Uh, keeps everybody happy. Um, so definitely, definitely good job. Shout out to that group. I thought they played pretty well this week. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think, all right, this is probably the biggest storyline in the game so far. Jack Cohen going out and Drew Pine stepping in the fourth quarter. And I yeah. guess, you know, was he lighting the world on fire? No, but he did what he needed to be done. I mean, there's, with our offensive line, like, how much can you do? Yeah, so I, like that's like the two things to talk about is like what we have left. We got the QB situation and we have the O line situation. And the QB is a situation because of the O line. Um, but Drew Pine, him and Tommy Reese came out fearless, which is great because sometimes when you go to a backup, defense could just, could just sit on the run and then it just kind of stalls offense. But he came out and like wasn't afraid to get outside the pocket, move a little bit and then make some tight throws. So that's what I think the biggest thing was, just his mentality. Like, he came in and was like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. I, uh, I, big big kudos to, to Drew Pine. Just stepping step in there and 
not really missing a beat. I don't. I don't necessarily think the fumble was his fault. We can get to that in a second. Uh, no. But I, yeah, the, the fumble was kind of tough. But I thought the touchdown drive he led was was really good. He found Mayer on a seam, uh, which was a really good ball. And then Kevin. And then I, I actually looked at the breakdown again today of the Kevin Austin touchdown. Drew Pine makes a really really smart play. He catches the he catches the snap and then looks off to the left. He, he looks basically looks off the linebacker into safety. Um, and then comes back and throws a dart to Kevin Austin, and, and we get in for a score. And, and, and kudos, you know, do whatever you want, celebrate however you like. I love that he kind of walked off with the Conor McGregor strut. That was uh, that was pretty fun. Good, good for him. Uh, I was really happy to see him hit, see him do really well. Uh, I don't think, I still think if Cone's in that game, he, I think, yeah, I don't think that necessarily changes the outcome. Uh, I still think Notre Dame kind of runs away with it a little bit, but. Uh, it was good to see that you have a backup who can really, really play, and and people feel pretty comfortable with him in the game. And they said that today. That was the other thing that they said on the inside inside garage podcast, which was good. Listen, is it? They all said that. Like everybody, I don't. Th- I think they're pretty genuine on that podcast. I don't think they're bullshitting when they they said that. Like Drew went in the game, and everybody felt comfortable. Everybody in the program felt comfortable. Everybody around Notre Dame, mm-hmm. uh, immediately around the football team, kind of said, "You know, this is fine." Like we we everybody trusts Drew. Um, it, this he played is against Bama. He, he played fine yeah. with Bama too, so he, I mean, he's got experience. Yeah, I mean, did you guys get a chance to watch the like five minute icon video today? They released it like I two did. or three p.m. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, basically, what happens is Drew Pine comes into the game and he looks at Jack Cohen and like looks around at the rest of the huddle. Is like, let's get a touchdown for Jack. Like, let's fucking go! Like, I saw that. I love that's that. a very healthy relationship in the quarterback room we have. I think we have we have the best quarterback. From like a relationship yeah. standpoint, we have the best quarterback room in the country. I think Reese loves all yeah. three of those guys, and all three of those guys love each other. I think Cone. Yeah. Nobody was more excited for Buckner than Cone, and the same thing here. Cone. Nobody's more excited for Pine than than, than Cone was. So it it is kind of interesting. I had a couple thoughts going through. I was like, all right, well, Drew Pine is just putting his transfer tape out there right now. Like, <laughs> I, like if Buckner's the guy, I don't know, but. It was interesting, and it was also very clear that Buckner's not the backup. He's just a gadget. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, he's yeah. – and in that he was hurt and all that, but, like, Kelly said it again, if Cone can't go on Saturday, Pine's a starter and Buckner will mm-hmm. play. If mm-hmm. Cone can go, Cone's a starter and Buckner will play. And he's just and a gadget. He's not a backup. He's just a gadget. That I we don't need, mind that. That we need, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't mind, mind it either. Yeah, I like. And I don't mind it because I'm so so down on this offensive line, yeah. and I'm looking to point fingers left so we can we can do it. I, I Jack Cohn is not like he can't avoid sacks. He just runs and he just bumbles into his offensive lineman. Drew Pine on like the second play of the game got outside the pocket and threw a dart. Like yeah. this offensive line needs a mobile quarterback, and so Jack Cohn's got to be better at the pocket or escaping out of the pocket or. Maybe we need a mobile. Maybe we need a mobile quarterback. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts? I'm, I'm pretty confident. I want Jack home starting, still, and I want him to. I want this to be his football team. But with that said, like, I think there's. I wasn't really buying into the. You see a lot on Twitter, and Ian, I sent it to you, and D, I think I sent it to you too. It's like there's. There's this ND stats analytics account that yeah. kind of says that weird. A lot of these sacks are not on the offensive line. Well, I, I disagree, but I'm also starting to see it a little bit. Uh, they put out some tape today. Uh, it was down in the red zone where uh, 
or, or get it on the plus side of the field where Cone takes a sack, and it's really not the offensive line's fault. He he tries to climb the pocket, and he climbs the pocket right into somebody. Also, he had Mayer – he only read the right side of the field, only mm-hmm. to his right. He had Kyron Williams wide open and Mayer wide open on the left side of, left side of the field. And, again, that's circumstances because he stepped up to his right, so you really only – to come back across your body and throw back across the middle is not great. But it, his offensive line's bad and I have some gripes with some people personally on it, but it is part of a larger issue where you need Cone to get rid of the football a little sooner, and you need him to kind of accept the fact that Kyron Williams is a really good option in the flat, and yeah. Takis is, is an option in the flat, and Mayer is an option in the flat. It doesn't have to be. Although the balls he threw, like the ball he threw to Kevin Austin was beautiful. It doesn't have to yeah. be that ball every time. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with what you're saying. I think this is something that – Kelly, or maybe I just saw it on Twitter, brought up with regards to Cohen is, you know, at Wisconsin, he was under center a ton. And, you know, doing a typical, like, five-step drop or, you know, probably rarely a three-step drop. But, like, it's kind of – your sight lines are different, I would guess, coming from under center when you're taken back. You don't necessarily probably feel the edge rushers as much as when you're already five, six yards back and you can see them, you know, beat a tackle, beat a guard right away because your eyes are already, you know – scanning that whole part of the field and i think you know he sees that and freaks out when in reality he has another half second to a second where he can take a step throw the ball find a guy and now i don't really know how you rep that in practice because i mean you really can't because you don't want to have people going live against your quarterback which is why he just needs to keep going out there and like seeing the bullets fly and you know, learn in the film room, say like, okay, I could have taken a step up here. I could have, you know, rolled out to the right here. We're not asking him to be Ian Book. We're asking him to, you know, not have the worst like sack rate in the country because it is partially on him. I don't think our O-line is the worst in the country. They're not good. But there's a lot of blame to be placed on both sides there. There is a lot of blame. There is a lot of blame, and I want to get to that in a sec. But Cohen, every time our awful tackles are just getting bull rushed back into him, he does. He like puts his arm out on them first and falls down. There was a play where Pine might have been third down, puts his arm out, kind of pushes back, and then throws a dart. And Cohen is not making that play. So, and then Slav, you said like I don't know if the game is any different if Cohen doesn't get hurt. I kind of agree with you. Like we're we were we're a better team. Like I think the better team would have come out in that in the end. It was a little bit of like a Mackenzie Milton situation against us first week. Like there is something about just like getting something different in there that energizes the whole team. So that's what that is a little bit. Last thing I want to say is offensive line needs help. And they got that help in the form of Kyron Williams picking up blitzes. He took on some big boy collisions. Oh yeah. And gave Pine and sometimes Cohen like gave them extra time to make crucial plays that do not happen if he isn't as stout of a pass picker up or pass block and pass blocker than he than he is. Yeah, I kinda I kinda feel for Kyron Williams because I'm looking I'm looking at the box score now and he finishes with eighteen carries for thirty three yards and his long was his long rush was seven yards. Like that's not a very, very good day and his stats do not indicate how well he's playing. I think he's uh, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a better true true running back that's better at blocking than, than Kyron Williams. He's awesome mm-hmm. in pass pro, um, and he's a big reason why we have any success to the ball down the field because he, he needs to be in there to help help the offensive line by time. 
Uh, I will say that as much as, you know, I, I think it's important to acknowledge that Cone plays a role in in the struggles that we've had passing the, passing the football. But the struggles that some of the sacks and, and a lot of the run game is just up front. Like, it just, like, it's, it's, it's frustrating because at some point these guys just got to you guys just got to have to turn, flip this around and be like, enough is enough. Like, you have some talent up there. You, all of your guys are four stars. I think that will come when you start to get guys back. You get uh, Car- Carmody back this week or Carmody back this week, which is which is huge. He was 95% as of yesterday. I'd imagine that he'd be, he'd be a full go um, come Saturday. And then Blake Fisher will be back at the end of the month. I, you know, you know, the injuries have certainly hurt. But what Tosh Baker did on the fumble was oh – was a joke. That was, that was, that was a JV yeah. effort on that. He got. Did you see him go after the fumble too? No. Oh, 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 yeah. He got he got bench press with one arm, and got beat inside. Like he can get like, I, I, I struggle with this because like getting beat to the outside is not great, but he got cooked inside. The kid threw a right arm, bench pressed him with one arm off, and yeah. then ripped through. And had a clear shot at, at Drew Pine's back. He's lucky Drew Pine didn't die. Like the fumble was like the best thing that could have happened there because that was you just left your quarterback out to dry. That's inexcusable. You have to be better. So that seemed like either a, such a mental lapse on his part or bad communication. And so this is where I'm going next to this. At what point do we point towards Jeff Quinn that he just had, doesn't have these guys ready? And he came mad and like this guy's supposed to be a I mean, he's a preseason All-American, and he yeah. looks like a chicken with his head cut off out there sometimes. He just gets he blown by, and the, his defender is already in our quarterback, and he's still looking down the field. It's like, no, kid, you just got beat, man. Like, yeah. Uh, but and Carell got, got blown up, too, on, yeah, on early but, in the game. Like, it's tough for me to yell at Zeke and Jared Patterson because they're the only ones that are relatively yeah. holding their own. But when do we point at Jeff Quinn and say, figure it out? Mm. Yeah, I mean, part of it is he's playing a lot of these guys probably before they're ready. Yeah. And that's probably a function of he stand not really recruiting in his last year, plus Jeff Quinn having like scrambled to pull a class together. But really the only guy that can play from that class is Jared Patterson. But then there's also, you know, look around the country. Like there's MAC teams that don't have – that would kill to have the players we have that put together much better airlines than us. You know, they, they, the blame has to lie somewhere. Like, last year we ran – that's the thing with Quinn is, like, last year we ran all over people. And our pass pro was great. I mean, we had – what, we got runner up in the Joe Moore? Like, yeah. I thought we should have won it. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it, it's you – know, the guy has been around football for 30-plus years. He didn't forget how to coach. And, you know, he coached those guys – to the Joe Moore award. Now I know a lot of them were starters back, you know, when Houston was there. So, you know, who do you want to give the credit to? Who do you want to give the blame to? Uh, but it's once again, it's the same thing with the sacks. Part of it's on Cohen, part of it's on the O-line for this. I, I see it pretty much the same way. Part of it's on uh, Jeff Quinn. Part of it's probably on Harry Houston. Part of it's on Kelly for maybe not hiring an up-and-comer and hiring one of his boys, which is the entire reason we got in the whole 2016 fiasco. I mean, it, it, there's not an easy solution, but I, I think Quinn 
obviously has to share some of the blame here, especially, I mean, these are big dudes. We need to be able to run the ball more than two yards a carry. I I think for, for me, you know, D, I think everything you just said is really right. I think you'd be, I think you'd be dumb to, to try to press this on one individual or, or just the, just the five people or five starters that we have right now. Um, I think that's, you'd be doing yourself and everybody a disservice. They don't like the part that's really frustrating for us uh, speaking as a fan here is just like, can you imagine what Jack Cohn and Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree would be able to do with last year's offensive line, right? Like oh, book yeah. was great because he scrambled, but like imagine if you had that really solid pocket for 80 to 85% of your snaps and that you could really run the foot. Like this would be, that would be a national championship winning offense at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. So and maybe that's outrageous. Maybe, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but like at that point, that's like the only piece that's missing. And that's something that's been so consistent since, you know, since we've been sophomores, probably, you know, these probably decent offensive line as freshmen, but like there's just, unfortunately at this point, there's no Ronnie Stanley in that room. There's no Mike McGlinchey. There's no Quentin Nelson. Currently Blake Fisher could be those guys. He's not that yet. Um, and it, it, it we're kind of suffering from it. So uh, hopefully, hopefully this is just something that gets better with time. Uh, and this, like like I said from the beginning, this is just a unit that's going to have to look better in November than they looked in in September. Knock on wood. Yeah. So, anything else we should hit on for the Wisconsin game? I mean, that was fun. That was fun. It was fun. I mean, like in terms yeah, of was the atmosphere. watching a game, the atmosphere was great. Honestly, what is? I wonder what it looked like on TV. So I was up. We were up in the three hundreds actually. So I couldn't see the stands for basically an entire half of the stadium. But my guess was about 55, 45, 60, 40 ND based on problem, noise. But I, the I don't problem know. Red is, stands out just so much more. That's yeah. what the problem is. The red the red stands out, which is why uh, – the red stands out, which is why I think Notre Dame wants people wearing green this weekend heading mm-hmm. into Cincinnati because the green stands out more than the blue and the gold do. So yeah. I, I think it, it was tough to tell. Honestly, if I had to guess, I would have went the other way. I would have said 55 Wisconsin, 45 Notre Dame. Uh, but it, it, it's, it was kind of difficult to say. Well, it did look cool though. I think they did a pretty good job splitting the stadium in half. Um, I think you get some stragglers who go to each, each side or whatever. Um, and it was pretty even in the middle, but uh, the end zones were definitely populated by Wisconsin solely and, and Notre Dame solely, uh, which yeah. was, which was pretty cool to see. It looked like it was awesome. I was so so sad I wasn't there, but uh, looked like you guys were having a blast um, from all the pictures and oh, videos yeah. we got. Yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. Like obviously, I mean that was my first time at a full football stadium. Yeah, since 2019. Yeah, um, you know, the Rose Bowl last year doesn't really count, so I'm pumped to be back at Notre Dame this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Got any final thoughts other than that? The atmosphere is great, no, but Notre Dame added a new color this week. Nude. Yes, I love Nobody, that. Every, all all the fellows had their shirts off. Good for them. The tarps off was awesome. Move. Shout out. I, ho- sh- I hope that stays. Yeah, shout out to the Morrissey Morrissey football kids that, that I played with. Guys at ND, they they were on the they got put on the Fox broadcast right after the, oh, really? the Tyree touchdown. It was just all of those guys with their shirts off in the same row, uh, <laughs> looking like they were having a blast. So good for those guys. All right, you want to talk Bearcats? Yeah, let's talk some Bearcats. Um, Cincinnati's coming to town. Is this the biggest game in their program's history? I'd argue yes. 
the only other one I guess could be up there is they played, I think, in a Sugar Bowl against Florida mm-hmm. right after Brian Kelly took the Notre Dame job, and they got absolutely throttled. Yeah. And that was over 10 years ago. So, yeah, I, I think this is the biggest game in their program's history. I think they're going to be bringing a lot of fans up. Um, it's not going to be anything like Georgia levels. Their fan base just isn't that big or football crazy. But, I mean, like, they're going to be fired up. And this is a pretty good team, too. Yeah. Well coached. Well coached, too, which, like, I think is the biggest, like, big, biggest thing that scares me. Like, yeah. Cincinnati, like, Luke Fickle is what scares me about Cincinnati. I think I think you're going to see a team that's far more motivated and better prepared. I think Luke Fickle's a way better coach than Paul Christ. Honestly, I was I was pretty underwhelmed with what Paul Christ put together last weekend. Um, but Luke Fickle's a really good coach. I, I like the coordinators a lot. Uh, Desmond Ritter, quarterback, um, he's not elite, and and you shouldn't say he's elite, but he's really good. And like you got you got to respect the game that he plays with. He plays he plays a lot of swag too, and a lot of confidence as he should. Um, he kind of, he was kind of the one that spearheaded that comeback against Indiana. Um, so, you know, I think he'll probably be the best quarterback that we – he might end up being the best quarterback we play all season um, with the way that Hal uh, – Hal's been pretty inconsistent. Slovis has been hurt and inconsistent. Um, obviously, it wasn't Graham Mertz. Um, so, you know, that'll be a real a real challenge and a real test uh, for, for Freeman's defense. Uh, from, from Freeman's defense standpoint, I'll be very interested to see – how he how he game plans again? I think he's doing a really good job of changing. I don't. It, it, there, there's the school of thought that says you should just play your game, right? Find your defense, find the defense that works, and and play that defense. I kind of like the fact that he's willing to adapt um, and give and put his put his guys in an opportunity to be successful on a week to week basis, not just on the whole season. So I'll be very interested to see what he kind of puts together this week because he is the challenge of facing much like Wisconsin, like Cincinnati has two really good tight ends. But the receivers are also better. Their quarterback's better. Uh, running back is probably comparable to Malusi um, from a skill standpoint. I think probably put him relatively the same. But I think they get better. Cincinnati gets better on offense in a lot of spots that Wisconsin is lacking, either better or equal to. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely put him ahead on the outside at receiver. I would definitely. say Ferguson's probably better than their tight end, Josh Wiley, I think his name is. Um, he's a homegrown guy from Cincy. He went to LaSalle, their second mm-hmm. string, or maybe third string. I don't know. He got a touchdown against, like, Mercer or whoever the hell they played, but he's another same X guy. The dude probably runs a five foot five point three second 40, so I am not necessarily going to be worried about him in the passing game. But, yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to containing Ritter. I mean, it's the first time this year that we've really – I know Toledo kind of had that one guy, but, like, first time we've tra- faced a true dual-threat quarterback – and it's going to be coming down to the same principles, playing assignment football, staying at home. I would not be surprised in the slightest to see trick plays, fake punts, field goals, gadget plays, reverses, stuff like that. They're going to pull out all the stops in this game. So our defense yeah, is going of, to have to be disciplined. It's one of those where, like, I'm sure they have not shown a ton on film because they haven't had to because they played Indiana, but – like, they, they are still a lot there that we have not seen. Good thing is Marcus Freeman has seen Desert Ritter for three years now in practice. So, mm-hmm. not, yeah. that doesn't mean it. Like, doesn't mean a ton, but it's not like he's completely blind going into this game. Like Yeah, it seen, doesn't mean nothing. Seen, yeah, he's seen Ritter do what he does for, for three years now. So, 
I'm hoping that he'll have something cooked up for him and that we also have not put everything out there on tape. Yeah. It's uh I'm looking now at their stats as far as who's 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 the most yards and receptions and whatnot. And, uh no none of these I think the kid Tyler Scott's actually pretty good. Uh, Michael Young Jr. makes his return to South Bend, which would be which would be cool for him. None of these guys are like really really scary, but they are. I think they're going to be exponentially better than what we saw from Wisconsin. So it'll be an, another good test for the secondary. Um, I think the people who were in conflict most this week, uh, and you're going to need a big big response from, are uh, are the linebackers, are Drew White and Bertrand. And you're going to have to have a pretty big response from them, and then what they do with the rover position. I think you see a lot more of Isaiah Pryor. Um, probably than Jack Kaiser, which you know was not a reflection because I thought Jack Kaiser played well last week. It's just from a personnel standpoint, Isaiah Pryor is probably the better answer at Rover, um, from a given that he's a former safety. Um, so you probably see a little bit more Isaiah Pryor. Going to challenge again, really going to challenge Drew White and Bertrand to go sideline to sideline. Uh, Bertrand, I think he's doing a better job of it, but uh, got to work as as good as they are going north north south. They got to be going as as good east west. So. That'll be a challenge for these guys this week. I mean, I, I'm really inter- interested to see what we put out on offense too. Because um, we're talking about the defense here. They will score. We need to bend, don't break a little bit. Hold them to three when we can. Door needs to be a little bit better. Uh, he's missed some kicks this he's year. He's got offense back. Uh, I mean, 51 yarders hopefully helps. That was a yeah. big kick. Um, oh, he, awesome. We like. We can't leave points out there. Like we need, we're gonna need all the points we can get. Yeah. Also, I mean, Ian, you know this very well. Like the wind swirls at Soldier Field, unlike a lot of places, and you could, you could. I mean, I thought, I thought you could see the ball like moving. Like I thought it. Yeah, but he missed it. He missed it bad though. Like it wasn't like it was ever inside the uprights. Yeah. So I, I think he, he does need. He, I think he needs a swagger back. He needs a little bit of his confidence back, and I think he will get it. He played. I mean, he played really well against Florida State. Um, had some big kicks there, and I will. You know, I agree with you. Like when you get down on the plus side of the field, it needs to be seven. Um, can't really rely on it being three. Uh, I think that's what hurt Wisconsin last week. They they settled. You know, we we bent we bent and didn't break pretty well last pretty well pretty mm-hmm. well last week. Um, held them to some pretty short field goals um, that you know are, are, are again pretty big momentum swings when you get those stops. Uh, so, yeah, another would be would be great to see a lot of a lot of that too because I think you're not going to stop this offense from moving the football, but if you can if you can tighten things up when you get when you get on your side of your side of the field, that'll be really helpful. Yeah, I, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking we have to run the ball at some point this year. Like they have one of the best corners in the country, maybe the best corner in Sauce Gardner. On the outside, he's a guy who's probably built like Cam Hart, maybe a little bigger. He's maybe not as tall, but he's a thick dude at corner. Um, he's going to be hard to attack uh, vertically. Something Kevin Austin has struggled with is getting off that press coverage at times, and he's going to see a lot of it. So you know, we need to be able to open up at least some aspects of the pass game by running the football making them put more guys in the box to respect it. You know, if they can put five, six in the box and still stop us, like it's going to be really hard for us to move the ball. I think, I think based off all the advanced metrics still have Wisconsin's defense as slightly better than Cincinnati's, which is, I don't know, somewhat encouraging because we put up, I guess we didn't really even put up that many points, only 20, 
But that could be enough to win this game if our defense plays well. I, I just, like, I don't have a ton of faith in our O-line. Yeah. Nope. Worried about that as well? Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do you see it being a low-scoring game or a bit more of a up-and-down? Uh, I see this being low scoring. I don't. Cincinnati doesn't play with a ton of tempo. I mean, they they get, yeah. they scored a lot of points, but it's kind of a function of you know they've just been a lot better than every team they've played. Um, but yeah, they they've never really struck me like Mike Denbrock. Yeah, he'll push the ball downfield, but it's not like we're playing Ole Miss here where they're trying to run ninety plays at least. And then obviously on our side, we haven't even thought about doing that this year, which is something like, why don't we do more tempo? Yeah, keeps the D line. I mean, even even just lining up, even just lining yeah. up, because then you're messing with their subs and like yeah, you're just, keeping their guys in the field. Yeah, so you, I mean, you can take thirty seconds to snap the ball, but why do we need to? I mean, I, I would love to see a little more tempo. I think and you're going to see a little spots. bit more tempo. I think you're going to see a little bit more tempo going forward. Um, I think it's because it's you got again. We got to Reese has to scheme ways to help his offensive line. So bringing in max protection with the tight ends helps giving them Kyron Williams helps moving the pocket helps uh, moving the football fast helps offensive lines. Uh, Cause they don't, you know, defense has a lot less time to figure out how they're going to stunt and, and how they're going to blitz. Um, so keeping simple for the offensive line and speeding up may not necessarily be a, a, a bad thing. I, I agree with you guys. Also it'd be good. I think it'll be really important to have all three quarterbacks healthy this week. Uh, like I said, I want Cone starting. I, I think, Kelly said today that he should be on track to start and uh, and that Buckner was pretty much close to 100%. Um, so having Buckner this week, uh, I'm definitely oh, very very much so open to the idea of having Buckner get a few more snaps uh, and and letting him work work his magic with his feet uh, because that's that, that puts the defense in, cl- in conflict when you bring him into the game. I don't, more I don't care. I don't care yeah. if it's ugly this week. I don't, I don't care if it's ugly. Like I just went ugly. Yeah. I don't, we don't even need to look good. We can win three nothing. Keep winning football that. games. One yeah. one yeah. one funny thing here, uh, Kelly. So Kelly was asked in his, pre- his press conference about uh, if he was part of the decision to schedule Cincinnati, and I don't know if you guys <laughs> listened to it at all, but he was <laughs> and he said something all lot. This is what his response was. He's like, I think I've got games scheduled with Central Michigan as well coming up. Just wanted to give those schools the opportunity. Uh, I think the Cincinnati faithful are up in arms that they were they were lumped into the same category as Central Michigan, which I got a good kick out of. Uh, Kelly's got a pretty interesting sense of humor, so I don't know if he was trying to be funny, but I certainly found it hysterical. Well, Cincinnati fans they still hate Brian Kelly for leaving. Like, yeah. I, I don't get what they like think. Do you, do you yeah. really think the dude was going to stay? Like, and it was the, still the Big East at the time. It was like he was going to stay in the Big East at Cincinnati, and like, I was like, no, they weren't even. Oh yeah, they were, but still, it was like it was like a third tier football conference at that time. Yeah, he, maybe not yeah, third I'm sure tier. I'm, but like, I'm sure Brian Kelly just loved playing Friday night games in Piscataway. That was, I'm sure, yeah. that was exactly all that yeah. he had dreamed for. They're like, oh wait, you can come to Notre Dame. We'll triple your salary and give you basically anything you want. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll take that. And Cincinnati fans are still like, why did you leave? Like, why the yeah. fuck? Why wouldn't you leave? All right. Kind of on that same topic, do you think Notre Dame's next head coach is going to be on the field this Saturday? Freeman, Fickle. I'd be interesting to see. I'd be I'd be interesting to see the line to say like, uh, are you taking the coaches that are on the field this weekend on Saturday, or are you taking the field? Are you taking everybody else mm-hmm. that's available? Uh, I don't know. I 
I think Fickle gets scooped by a top school before Kelly's gone. I don't think it's going to be Fickle. Freeman, I don't know. Same thing with him. Like, I, I just don't see Brian Kelly leaving anytime soon. Kind of got this train rolling. So, like, I'm giving, like, at least five or six years. Maybe Freeman by that point, like, will be in a position to come. But Fickle, I think, will be at a at a top school that he'll have something going before Kelly's done. I wonder if that's when that would be a Freeman return to South Bend. If like if we if we're gonna use that six year timeline, yeah. right? Like yeah. that would be uh I've gone somewhere else, I've tried head coaching somewhere else, and now I'd like to be back. Uh, yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd also, I, I, I think it's a fascinating question, and maybe we should throw a poll up this week on the Instagram, yeah. just yeah, and ask that question because I don't know if I have an answer for you. I think that's. I'd have to do a lot of hard thinking on that. Speaking of uh, coaches, and I'm going to throw one more fraud of the week in there. PJ fraud of the week. Cause <laughs> oh, my goodness. Minnesota <laughs> loses to Bowling Green, a 31-point underdog. Bowling Green cash in there, over 1.5 win total at Minnesota. That's one of the worst losses since, like, in a, in a while. That's, that's a very, very bad loss. PJ Fleck was potentially in the running for this USC job. I don't even know what, no. like, he's, he is not a football coach. He's just a marketer. Like, he's not a good football yeah. coach. He just markets programs. So, use car salesman where there was exactly. a shirt and tie and stands on the sidelines. No, no. So, I'm, good, I'm not a good not energy guy. Good yeah. energy guy. Good energy I mean, guy. Is good, Van Gorder still at Bowling Green? No. Did he get canned so. after last year? Yeah. Of course. Coaching Pee Wee somewhere. All right, let's do let's let's wrap up here soon. Let's do score predictions, and then yeah. let's let's take a preview of the rest of the week. Yeah. All right, D. All right, I'll go first. Like I said, I think this is a rock fight, but honestly, I think Notre Dame this team turned a corner last week. I would not say the offense necessarily did, but I truly think the defense did turn a corner. Um, I mean, just. They're playing so much faster. There wasn't any misplays. I don't think UC has the athletes that terrify me, at least on offense. Um, I think we just score enough points to win. I think it's going to be an ugly game. There will be turnovers on both sides of the ball. I'm going to go 17-13 Irish. Um, Okay, just as a note for the people – Disregard that pick because Dono also picked Wisconsin to win last week. So. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how we haven't touched on that. I think I think there's gonna be some points on the board a little bit more than UD. Um, I'm gonna go 27-21 Irish. Uh, I think we'll probably have a couple field goals mixed in there, and then hopefully get something going offensively. And if we're gonna win, I think we're gonna need. I think we're gonna need at least 27. Even if the defense plays well, Cincinnati will score. I um. I was the – I don't know who, if anybody else did this, but I took the over last week uh, in that in that game. And I, I had no business hitting. That had no business. That was, was <laughs> disgusting. I needed the shower. I felt dirty. But thanks to Jack Kaiser, uh, it hit, and I was really excited about that. So uh, that was really fun for that. To win. I, I agree with Ian in that I, I forecast a few more points in this game. Uh, on my final score position, would be 31-24 uh, Notre Dame. And this is one – I don't know why I have this feeling. I, I can't exactly explain why, but I think this is a game that Notre Dame goes down the field. Like it's tied late and Notre Dame marches down the field and, and scores late. Uh, reminiscent. I don't, I don't want to make this comparison yet, uh, but like reminiscent of Jeff Samarja against UCLA 
uh, Koyak's corner against Stanford, just like making a big play late. Uh, Toledo two weeks ago. Toledo two weeks ago. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mayer against Toledo, Koyak (laughs) against Stanford, and Schmarger against UCLA, all in a very very similar category. Uh, I think we add to that collection this weekend. I'd love to see Notre Dame win it. And I'm glad glad we'll all be in town for it. I'm really excited to see you guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited to be back in Notre Dame Stadium with a full house for the first time since since November of 2019. Yeah. Uh, Really exciting. Really exciting stuff for us. I'm really happy for all of us. It should be a fun weekend. Uh, Let us know if you're going to be there. Yeah, it'll be probably a pretty emotional one. And, like, I am so happy we won last week to set up this top ten matchup. Not that it wouldn't still be an awesome weekend, but it just makes it all the more exciting that it's two top two undefeated teams. Yeah. Um, all right. Just want to point out some other games that are on the slate this weekend uh, that people should pay attention to. Uh, starts with where the game day is going to be in Athens. Uh, you got number two, Georgia versus Arkansas. Uh, that should be a really, really fun one. Unfortunately, I think we're going to miss most of that one because yeah. it's a new it's 11 a.m. kick. kick. Or, yeah, which yeah, is sorry. which is which is yeah. garbage. That should not be the case. That should be a seven thirty. I'm eating dinner with you guys at Rockers or something, watching, yeah. uh, watching that game. But I don't make the rules. I have to just oblige by them. So that that one's at noon. Uh, it's also a game day. It should be a really fun one. Georgia's heavy favorites. Um, I think Georgia wins, but you know we'll see. I think Arkansas can kind of hang around. Um, some of the games I want to hang. And we'll put our picks out on Friday. But uh, Wisconsin go. Uh, uh, Wisconsin host Michigan. Uh, that one will be in Camp Randall and Madison. May, Rutgers, Rutgers hanging with Michigan. I'd be really worried if I was a Michigan fan, honestly. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that, but like. We just trashed Grand Merth for like 20 I, minutes. I or believe Wisconsin's favored. No, <laughs> early. Yeah. Is Wisconsin that, favored early? Like right in the now, early looking, Right now I'm looking. I don't know if they what they opened at, but right now Michigan's a one-point favorite. Okay, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. Right. They, they, they may have opened that way. But, I mean, yeah, we are Graham Mertz fanatics this week. Uh, that, know, might be, that might be uglier than the Penn State-Wisconsin game. Yeah, that'll be disgusting. Um, uh, Graham Mertz come back, come back in this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisville and Wake, another interesting one for the ACC. Louisville is 3-1. and one. I don't know how. But Wake, Wake's been putting up a lot of points. Sam Hartman's a great uh, – playing really, really well. Uh, that one's in Winston-Salem. I expect Wake to win that one, but you know Louisville's been giving people a better contest than I thought they would. Uh, CB, uh, SEC on CBS. Ole Miss travels to Tuscaloosa. Uh, Alabama's favored by 14 and a half. Uh, I hate to say, I, I really hope that Ole Miss makes this a game and it's tight, and you know maybe they can even go in and go go steal a win, but. Uh, I don't know. I think Alabama at home scares me. If this yeah. game is in if this game is in Oxford, I think things would be different. But uh, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. I, I, think, kinda... I think the lane train is going to be something to something to mess with. I think they might be trouble. I hope you know, Ian. I'd love nothing more than to see another play card throw running down mm-hmm. the sideline, just mm-hmm. flicking it up in the air again. That's one of my favorite gifts. I love. I I love the lane train. I just don't know if you're going to that. Yeah, I mean. I kind of – I think they just have so much firepower. Like, is Bama going to be able to keep up? Who knows? When have we ever said that? <laughs> yeah. I flip, love it. Flip that there. Flip that there. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll wrap no, up. I, sorry. I mean, I just like – I early on this, like, I think Ole Miss can keep up. It's just a tough game. Like, Ole Miss is just a tough team to beat by 14 and a half. And They're you know what? You know, to yeah. your guys' point, to your guys' point, too, is like – 
Matt Corral is the type of quarterback that has beat Nick Saban before. Like think about mm-hmm. the team, the teams that have beat Nick Saban in the past few years. Johnny, Johnny Manziel. Uh, who else is on that list? They they talked about it the other day. Was Swag Kelly quarterback when that Ole Miss team beat him? Yeah, I he was. So. Swag yeah. Kelly. Yeah, it's just like dynamic, dynamic playmaking quarterbacks who can, who can play with their feet too. Um, Florida, Florida goes to Kentucky. Florida's eight and a half point favorites. The game's in Lexington, but Kentucky's four and out, uh, and they've been playing pretty well. I think Will Levis. Uh, I think. You know, Penn State might be in a situation where they're kicking themselves. The Clipper played pretty well last week, but I think Levis was probably the better quarterback. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Mississippi State goes goes to uh, Kyle Field to play Texas A&M. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Mississippi State had a really big week. Uh, had pretty not played pretty bad last week against uh, against LSU. Baylor and Oklahoma State. Those are that's a ranked ranked first ranked. Uh, Pac-12 game. That one's Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State three and a half point favorites. Uh, I might be aboard the Baylor train. Um, they've been they've looked really good, um, and then the one, two other games I want, to, I want to mention really briefly: Auburn goes to Baton Rouge to play LSU. Uh, we'll see whether or not Bo Nix um, is playing in that game. That would be one to keep an eye on. And then this one is interesting: Boston College is four zero, came off a big win against an SEC opponent this week in Missouri, and has to travel to Clemson. Clemson's 16-point favorites. I don't like them to win that game by more than two touchdowns. I don't know how you guys feel mm-hmm. about that. I, I, we don't like Boston College, but I think I like Boston College more than, more than I like Clemson. I think so, too. I would, I got, you got to be a crazy man to bet on Clemson right now, I think. Yeah. You have to, have, mm-hmm. have to be crazy, man. Dude, they're averaging less than 14 points a game right now through four mm-hmm. games. That's so yeah. fun. I love that. It's pitiful. Pitiful. I, I hate it's so so fun to see Dabos when he loses. Like I think he, yeah. he, it's Jim Harbaugh's up there to see him lose as well, but seeing Dabo lose is one of my favorite things. Well, Jim Harbaugh doesn't so much that I think I think I'm, I like it more when Dabo when it happens to Dabo because I've just gotten used to it. Yeah. All right, fellas. So you guys both get to South Bend on Friday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll probably see you on Friday, Ian. If I don't see you Friday, I'll see you Saturday morning. For sure. Right yep. and early. Wow, I there I will be skyline wait. chili floating around the lots, from what I've heard. Might grab breakfast before. I will consume. <laughs> You'll need breakfast when you get skyline. You can just have ten cheese conies and call it a day. Or I could not pass. Yeah, pass. Oh, come on. Actually, you do that, D, because then you'll be in the bathroom and we'll have them couple big plays. Dude, that's a really good point. You, you really think skyline point. runs through me like that? I was. I grew human. up eating that stuff. I was bred <laughs> eating Skyline chili. That stuff probably does good things for my digestive system, not bad things. All right. Remains to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. It's been All a right, few fellas. months. Might be the longest I've gone without Skyline chili in like years. Congrats. Yeah, Congrats. that thanks. Five and this week. Five and this week. I'll see you guys in four short days. Yeah. Adios. Talk to you soon. Irish Lord Green. <laughs>